Is cannabis a food? Yes, says Emily Kyle. More than that, it's actually an immune-boosting anti-inflammatory superfood that can help you live better, whether you want to get high or not. A nutritionist who has authored multiple cookbooks, Emily is also a cannabis enthusiast, and she specializes in showing people how to integrate CBD and cannabis into tasty recipes, from smoothies to breakfast, lunch, and dinner entrees. In this episode, Emily shares her expertise on how to get your daily dose of this emerging superfood. Whether you're a subscriber or a first-time listener, please stop by and see us at cannaboomwithak.com. We are focused on how cannabinoids and CBD can help you achieve better wellness, and importantly, how to find CBD that's trusted and reliable. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and please leave a review so other people can find the show. Thanks to our producer, Danny, in Milwaukee, and here's my interview with Emily Kyle. Cannabis is booming, and Cannaboom is on it. Welcome to the Cannaboom Podcast, where we interview experts on the changing story of humans, health, and hemp. From San Diego, here's your host, Tom Stacy. Hey, it's Tom. We're back with the Cannaboom Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have Emily Kyle on the show. She is a nutritionist who really integrates cannabis into her practice and is also sort of a coach and educator with an emphasis on cannabis for women. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Did I get that uh, description right? Is that pretty much what you do? It sounded so lovely. Thank you so much. That's exactly what I do. Tell me how you got into this. So originally, traditionally, I started my career as a registered dietitian nutritionist. And I always laugh now because all of my schooling, I went had had a master's degree for the whole time I hid the fact that I was a cannabis user. I was mortified if anyone would ever have found out because I was a professional. Um, And then a little bit into my career, I kind of, you know, really aligned more with like holistic nutrition and more of holistic philosophies and being a cannabis user. I just always had that in my, my repertoire. And so about two years ago, CBD became like a thing. And so I started tiptoeing, talking about it, kind of breaking into the scene. And I found that people were so hungry for the information. Um, And then about a year ago, I officially just came out of the cannabis closet. And then it's been really the best thing I've ever done, both personally and professionally since. That's really great. There's a lot of hunger for this kind of information. Have you noticed any pushback? Were there any negative experiences along the way? Yeah, you know, I lived in the cannabis closet for almost 10 years for fear of pushback. I was terrified about what people would think about me coming out and publicly saying that I use cannabis. Um, But honestly, I have had nothing but overwhelming amounts of support, um, especially from strangers. I always, you know, I've had a few family members who aren't nearly as supportive as I would hope they have been. Um, But the amount of strangers who are so supportive and thank me every day for my work just absolutely make up for it. And make me really, really confident that I made the right decision. Your website is just an amazing resource. You have a lot of videos and recipes and just a ton of information for people who are curious about this. That's a big job. Thank you so much. My website is my baby. Um, But really what it does is it provides free evidence-based cannabis education to people. And just last month, we reached almost half a million page views. So it's really nice to be able to get that information out to people and know that I'm following the science and providing evidence where it's needed so that people really are getting like a clear and accurate picture about what cannabis can and cannot do. So where do you begin? Do people come to you with an interest in integrating cannabis into their diet and they they want to know more? Yeah, definitely. I don't work with one-on-one clients anymore, but I used to. And when clients came to me, I found that most oftentimes they have already been exposed to cannabis, whether or not they used it many years ago or recently, and they know 
so little about it, but they know it helps them. And so that's really kind of where I come in with the educational piece of teaching them how cannabis works so that they can learn to manipulate that for their own health. There's a fairly complicated story that I struggle with telling sometimes about, you know, not everyone is aware that we have an endocannabinoid system and we have these CB1 and CB2 receptors and that you can be deficient. That can manifest in disease states. Are you looking at cannabis as sort of a whole food that can be integrated into all kinds of recipes? Yeah, I really, really believe in the power of whole foods. And I believe that cannabis should be considered a whole food as well. Now, of course, we can use it for medicine. um, And it it deserves a very special place in medicine. But I'd love to take it to nutrition and kind of like it's also sustainability. It's using the whole plant. It's using the plant for multiple different purposes. And I sometimes think we just happen to overlook nutrition as one of those most important purposes. In addition to kind of augmenting your diet with vape or smoke or edibles like gummies or topicals, it can also be available through the meals you prepare, right? Right. So my goal, hopefully like in my grander vision of what I see for the future is I would love for people just to be able to grow a cannabis plant in their backyard along with their tomatoes and be able to harvest it like basil and use it in different recipes, throw it in your smoothie and just really incorporate it into that everyday life lifestyle aspect so that we're constantly nourishing that endocannabinoid system. And I'm particularly interested in the health benefits of CBDA and THCA. And while there's not that much study out there right now, what we have is super promising. And considering that eating raw cannabis is non-intoxicating, that makes it a really safe option for everybody to nourish their endocannabinoid system without the fear of getting high. So A is the chemical state before it's been decarboxylated, is that right? Correct, yep. So it's the acidic form right before decarboxylation. So for if we're throwing it in a smoothie, we're obviously not going through the decarb process. That CBDA, that THCA, there's really some promising studies on as an anti-emetic, anti-inflammatory. And so it's just exciting. And hopefully we can have more access to the cannabis plant where people actually have a plant in their yard that they can harvest and use for everyday purposes. Right. That sort of seed to table ethos, because this could get cost prohibitive. I mean, if you went to your dispensary and and then wanted to take that product and put it into recipes, that could get prohibitive. Yes. And and cost is really a huge, huge issue for most people when it comes to accessing cannabis and most so in our medical programs, unfortunately. And if we could teach people how to grow this in their own backyards, it would only benefit them. Now, you are in New York State. Correct. Yes. And what's your legal status there? Oh, it's so embarrassing. We have um, no recreational, so we have a medical program. We have a not a great medical program. It really doesn't support our medical folks. We, we don't allow um, actual flour in our medical program, only vapes and pills and lozenges. We don't also allow edibles in our medical program. Um, so it's very, very frustrating being in New York, which is supposedly a very progressive state. Um, obviously, it's all about money and tax revenue. So in order for me to legally grow my cannabis plant that I have right now, I ended up becoming a USDA li- or a New York State licensed hemp farmer in order to be allowed to grow a non-intoxicating plant. Wow, that's yeah. really jumping through some hoops. <laughs> I know, but you know, I want to provide the education and I also want to protect my family at the same time. So it's like that really delicate balance of 
How do I do this appropriately and safely? So what you described with CBDA and THCA, if you're using the plant in that form, that removes the concern about the psychoactive effect. Correct. And so what I find with cannabis users is there are two different types of cannabis users. There's the cannabis user who wants to get high, who is looking for that intoxicating effect. And there is that cannabis user who absolutely does not want to get high and does not want an intoxicating effect. And I really like to show people that there are so many different options. So really what you want, if you want a mild effect, if you want an extreme effect, if you want no effect, there are options for everybody. That's really good to know because, I mean, a lot of people, the old stigma is still, oh, you're a stoner and that's a binary thing. Either you are or you aren't. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of in-between points. If you pay attention, CBD has a lot of health benefits and it does relieve anxiety. It's not really accurate to say it's completely non-psychoactive because people are using it to treat anxiety. It's a nice thing to integrate into your diet. Should we look at it as a minimum daily requirement like protein and carbohydrates and, and the other elements of our diet? How do you think about that, Emily? Oh my gosh. I wish I had the answer. Like I wish I could say for certain, um, we know so much about our immune systems. We know so much about our digestive systems and we know relatively little about our endocannabinoid systems. And so we wonder, should we be nourishing them daily? Should we be nourishing our endocannabinoid systems with non-intoxic cannabidolic acid or tetrahydrocannabinolic acid found in raw cannabis? Should we be only consuming edibles and not inhalables for our best optimal health? There are so many questions that I wish I had the answers to, but I hope that we will start seeing answers to in the future. Right. We're slowly exiting 100 years of prohibition, but we do know that people used cannabis tinctures in the 1900s. Before that, was cannabis and hemp part of the human diet for a long time? And are we just kind of returning to our roots? Absolutely. The evidence is very, very clear that cannabis has been around for thousands of years and was used in ancient traditional Chinese medicine, Indian medicine. And so we are essentially returning back to our roots. And a lot of the ways that cannabis was used back then was nutritionally. It was for the seeds and for the hemp seed oil in addition to medicinally. So it's really kind of coming full circle at this point as we're re-looking at cannabis and how we can use it both medicinally and nutritionally. There's another dimension to cannabis that we often talk about as genetically, you and I can have absolutely different reactions to the same amount of cannabis. And how does that complicate this even further? (laughs) I think it makes cannabis one of the most complicated puzzles that we have. It's, it really is that unique individual way it affects each one of us differently that makes it really hard to control in what essentially scares big pharma, right? We make medications because we know exactly what they're going to do, exactly how they're going to perform in their exact state. When we look at cannabis, the plant itself has over 500 active compounds. And even if you were growing the same strain or the same variety of cannabis, our environmental factors can make a difference in how each one of those plants end up expressing their cannabinoid profiles and their terpene profiles. And so there are so many variables that come to play here. And that's why I really like to empower individuals to know how to use cannabis in an educated way that they can learn to use it for themselves based on their own personal reaction. Because again, it's so different for everybody. So we often talk about on this show, it's a test and learn sort of scenario. Best case, I mean, with vapes or edibles or any kind of different 
cultivar. And you mentioned terpenes as well. And that's interesting in that terpenes are very aromatic, right? That is also going to affect your taste buds. You know, when you have a recipe for lasagna, say, you know that a certain amount of tomato sauce is required and, and you can go up or down, but you're going to pay attention to the flavor. With cannabis, it's going to depend on the terpene profile of that particular cultivar that you're using. Is this a science or an art or both? Oh, definitely both, I believe. It's so much science, but it's so much art, and we can't always apply science to real life. That's where the art comes in. That's where the anecdotal evidence comes in, and it really can be a beautiful marriage of evidence-based and anecdotal-based evidence until you really come up with something unique that works for you, because again, it's different for everybody. What are some of your most popular recipes? How do people really take to this? What do they really like? So obviously, it's funny, my most popular recipe is cannabis butter. And I think that's just because that's the most tried and true. That's what people know that their parents made or back in the 70s, that's what so-and-so made. For some reason, that just always sticks out as the most classic recipe. And I kind of love it because then once it's made, you can use it in just about any recipe that calls for butter, sweet or savory. But when we're cooking with cannabis, there really are so many other ways we can use it. That's just really the tip of the iceberg for most people just kind of dipping their toe into the recipes. So somebody's going to go, yeah, I want to I want to get CBDA into my diet and I'm spending a lot on capsules. So why don't I grow some and make some butter? Is that sort of the path? Yeah. So I really, really hope that everyone will start to be able to grow their own cannabis. And obviously it depends on where you live, but really we don't see fresh or raw cannabis, even in recreational dispensaries. The only people who truly have access to it are the ones who grow it at home. So I'd love to see wider access and more people be willing to grow the plant and legally allowed to grow the plant for easier access. Right. So having your own kind of vertically integrated um, operation. <laughs> right. If, if possible, you know, and I find most most cannabis consumers, long-term, lifelong cannabis consumers end up eventually going that way anyway, because it, growing cannabis kind of just becomes a part of a way of life for them. Um, and hopefully most people are, are in legal states where they don't have any kind of worry associated with growing. Are people using it to treat acute symptoms or as more of a sort of a preventative? I've seen it both. More so I'm interested in the preventative, but I have seen a lot of anecdotal evidence on people using raw cannabis juice as an anti-emetic. Um, so for people who are really suffering with nausea, perhaps um, pregnancy-related nausea. And so we don't have any of the clinical evidence needed, but anecdotally, that's where the scientists should start looking and seeing, you know, is this a viable option for people, especially because so many people have to reach for prescription medications to take care of the nausea. Tell me more about the raw cannabis juice. You have a blender. Are yep. you dropping leaves in there or how do you make that? Yeah, so I do recommend like a masticating juicer if possible. I know it sounds like a little pretentious. You can absolutely put it in the blender. But so interestingly enough, I've seen anecdotal reports of people throwing their cannabis leaves in a blender and they speculate that it was either the friction or the heat caused by the blender actually decarboxylated the THCA during the process and it ended up being a more intoxicating smoothie than they had hoped for. So if you're using a masticating juicer or a regular juicer, you're not going to have that friction, which could potentially decarb your product. Um, but again, it's, you know, it depends on how much you want to experiment. But 
for me, juicing it, I prefer to juice it with um, other things. It's a very strong taste. So I like to do a little bit of spinach, celery, cucumber, fresh ginger, and fresh lemon. If you do want to use, get the intoxicating effects, you're going to get that by heating the plant up. So if you had a cannabis plant in the backyard and you wanted not to get high, you would add that late in the cooking process so it wouldn't decarboxylate? I think it would really depend on any of the recipe that you're looking to make because that will have like a big difference on like taste and flavor. But like essentially say you have like decarbed cannabis I've put it in like taco seasoning before and you can cook it and it but it will provide an intoxicating effect if it's decarbed now if you want it just straight up for the nutritional benefits I've read that the nutritional benefits are stronger when it's raw so it's more beneficial to consume it when it's raw rather than drying it curing it and where we would traditionally decarb or smoke it consuming it so does it taste good I mean do you put it on a salad or you just don't want to cook it I guess so that's a great question. Does it taste good? I feel like most folks who have cannabis for a long, long period of time really become cannabis like connoisseurs, almost like a wine sommelier or someone who likes the different taste of beers. You can pick up on those different terpene profiles and really appreciate it. But I find that people who are new to cannabis um, really sometimes find the taste very off-putting. And that's absolutely understandable. Obviously, that really strong terpene profile contributes to that. Um, so there are different ways that you can cook cannabis or consume cannabis to reduce the taste. But I do want people to kind of get used to the taste and, and hopefully bring it into their palate so that they can learn to appreciate it and, and hopefully use it in everyday cooking. And I guess that's the art of being a nutritionist is finding ways to make it palatable and, and presenting those recipes to people. Exactly. Because if you're consuming it like a leaf inside a salad, it's essentially like eating spinach or like eating kale. And for some people, they don't like spinach. They don't like kale. And so that's absolutely fine. Everybody doesn't have to like the same things. It's just learning how do you like it and what's the best way for you to prepare it so that you can ultimately enjoy it when you're consuming it. We made a cannabis oil and I think we use the the sous vide do you ever use mm. that yes I, a lot of people really like that method you can kind of contain the odor then yeah it's an issue for people a lot of yeah. people really really worry about making edibles at their own house and especially decarbing because it does make a huge smell um it really is nice to have safe options for people who maybe live in apartments or or don't have just free reign to bake whatever they want Say you want to have a dinner party and you want to have the intoxicating effect and maybe you're, you have a sativa, an uplifting sativa at the start and then a, an indica in the dessert. Is that part of cooking with cannabis? Oh my gosh, can I come to your house for dinner? Yes. <laughs> have you ever seen, uh, there's a lot of actually really interesting cooking cannabis shows on Netflix um, where they just have these all out elegant dinner parties and where they're they're pairing and it's again going back to those terpene profiles like the flavor of the cannabis with the food or with the wine and each course is a little bit different and kind of really showcases the wide variety of taste that cannabis can have for the the chef and for the home cook it's one more ingredient that really can open up your repertoire Absolutely. And it's definitely one ingredient that just takes a little bit of education behind. And once you have that, you're pretty much good to go. You can do what you want in the kitchen and experiment and come up with your own creations. You've seen through your following, uh, you said you've had half a million visits to your website. This is kind of catching on. People are, are doing it. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. And I keep saying to myself, what's it going to look like when cannabis is actually federally legal? Um, but I think it just goes to show our changing culture is that the majority of Americans are overwhelmingly in support of cannabis, finding relief with cannabis and looking to actively incorporate it into their everyday life. So you mentioned that previously you worked one-on-one. -on -one. You have an online class now? I do, yes. Yeah. So in an effort to kind of work with more people and reach more people instead of working one-on-one -on -one with clients, I offer this online course, which really work, walks someone through. So my ideal client, they know cannabis works for them, but they really don't know much more than that. And so my goal of the class is to explain show them all of the different routes and ways to use cannabis and all the different variables so that they can safely and feel comfortable experimenting with cannabis in their own home until they find their sweet spot dose or their perfect application method or a combination of both to really target whatever issue they're looking at, whether it's anxiety or pain or just general relaxation. Um, I believe cannabis can work for just about everybody, but people really need education to feel safe and confident moving forward. What about children? Is there a concern about kids having too much? Yeah, I really um, stay away from discussing cannabis use in children simply because there is no clinical evidence to support either way um, what is safe and what is not. What I do say to parents is, you know, education is power. And I do think that if you're considering a prescription medication for a child, that cannabis is a safer first alternative. But I always tell people, you know, you have to go back to your doctor, you have to find a doctor that you feel safe with and trust and discuss it. Because when it comes to children, like as adults, we can monitor ourselves with cannabis, it's much more difficult for children. And it's just uncharted territory for so many people. And there are medical experts out there who know how to treat children with cannabis. I'm just not one of them. Well, I just the other day spoke with a, a pediatric nurse who has made the switch into CBD and cannabis. And for some conditions, you know, epilepsy and autism, some of these yeah. intractable conditions that are really hard to treat, it's a godsend. It changes people's lives. It's an absolute lifesaver. And I, I hope that people can continue to see that. And I don't want people to ever feel stigmatized using um, cannabis for their children because it's a perfectly viable option. Now, me personally, I have a six-year-old. He is allowed to use CBD products in my home because I, I know the quality of my products. Um, but he really also knows that cannabis is a medicine. It's not something you play with. It's not something that you take on your own. It's when mom gives it to you, just like if I I was to give him ibuprofen. Um, and I think that's just a, it's parenting styles. Everybody has a different parenting style and it just has to be what you're okay with as a parent. You mentioned your products. So you have your own line of CBD products. I do. And I, I really started out because when I was working with clients, so many clients would say, okay, well, where do I get it? And I needed to know as a healthcare pro provider that I was really truly providing the best possible product out there to my patients. So I ended up working with a company where I got to fly out to Colorado. I saw the fields, I saw the processing facilities, I saw the lab, really got to see everything A to Z so that I could feel 100% confident that I was providing a safe and quality product out there for people. Okay. You've contracted with them and, and you put your label on, you're very confident that it's, it's a clean and efficacious product. Yes, I really, um, I'm really proud of it. It took a lot of work and I just really feel confident knowing that um, based on, you know, people's re results using it, that it's really helping people. Now, you've also published cookbooks, including one with your husband who is a chef. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah. So earlier on in my career, I actually started out as a food blogger before I ended up going into cannabis. And so I was so super lucky to be approached by um, a cookbook publisher. And we ended up working on, I actually have my fourth cookbook now coming out with them in January. And my husband helped me with that too. Um, and it's kind of been amazing because my husband originally owned a restaurant, his own restaurant and worked a lot. And when he realized that he could make money on the internet with me, he decided to um, leave his restaurant job and work with me. And so now we do cookbooks and he thankfully makes all of my cannabis recipes on the internet as well. Wow. What a partnership. Yeah. You know, we never, ever, it never occurred to us ever to work together. And then one day we were like, oh, we'd be a perfect pair. And it's been <laughs> awesome ever since. What is your, what are your cookbooks about? Does each have a theme or a, a particular um, focus? Yeah. So all three of my first cookbooks that are out are all surrounding thyroid health. So originally before I was working in cannabis, I was working with folks with autoimmune and inflammatory conditions. And so I kind of got really deep into autoimmune, the AIP autoimmune paleo protocol and how people can use their diet to kind of pinpoint certain triggers that are flaring them during autoimmune flares. And so that really kind of was a passion project before I ever stepped into cannabis. And so I'm really excited. My next cookbook coming out is actually more, it's not diet prescriptive. It's just a clean eating meal prep cookbook, which I think will be really, really helpful for my cannabis consumers as well, because a lot of folks I find worry about the munchies and worry about things associated with cannabis and eating. So hopefully it will be a perfect match. You mentioned autoimmune. How does cannabis line up with that? Do you think there are benefits for those patients? Yes, it's actually kind of the spark between autoimmune and cannabis really kind of started growing for me um, because folks with autoimmune inflammatory conditions are just riddled with so many issues or symptoms that A, can be relieved by cannabis, but then we have to wonder at what point we know our autoimmune system it has dysregulation. At what point can regulating our endocannabinoid system have a positive impact on our immune system? We know almost all of our CB2 receptors are located in our immune system. So there has to be a connection. Of course, we need more scientific evidence out there, but some of the most common autoimmune conditions, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Ethan Russo, but he proposes that a clinical endocannabinoid deficiency is at the heart of some of our worst autoimmune conditions, um, IBS, fibromyalgia, and migraine. So there's no doubt that there's a question. There's no doubt that there is a very significant link. And what I find is most people who use cannabis for symptom management either are in chronic pain or have an autoimmune or inflammatory condition that they're looking for symptom management for. Right. The endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. Um, well, it would be only anecdotal, but have you seen patients who improve when you put them on a diet that includes cannabis? only anecdotal, but yes, absolutely. There's no doubt. Um, when I was working one-on-one -on -one with clients, it was a combination of nutrition therapy followed by cannabinoid therapy. So we would do nutrition protocols first to see what type of impact that made, followed by cannabis protocols. Really the combination of the two made all the difference for so many people. Mm -hmm. And of course we have COVID-19 and we know that on the back end of that disease, the immune system kind of turns on itself in what's called the cytokine storm. I would never say use the word cure or even prevent, but there's some research out of Israel about proprietary mix of terpenes and CBD that seems to help. There's also 
respiratory syndrome that seems to do better when cannabis is involved too. Maybe now is the right time to get cannabis into your diet. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough scientific evidence out there, but I, oh, I just wish there was, especially when we're, we're in this pandemic and we're thinking we have a potential solution, but it's actually a schedule one federally illegal substance. We can't study it and we won't ever know. It's so unfair. I would love to see it removed off. Obviously CBD is still not on the schedule one, but all cannabis other higher than 0.3% THC is. And I just would love to see legal studies done so we really know like what what can cannabis help right well and you're sort of blazing a path i mean uh we're waiting for our laws to catch up with our science and our culture to some extent do you know anyone else who's kind of doing what you're doing i'm honestly surprised i have this I, I, I'm active socially on Instagram, and I'm very surprised to see how many women out there are being very vocal about ending the cannabis stigma and in showing that women, especially mothers, can responsibly use cannabis and live very healthy, successful lives. And I see them being such great role models for real life people who need a role model like that. As you said earlier, you don't have to get high. There's a lot of points on the spectrum. If you want some mild relief from anxiety, you can find that. It may take a little testing and learning, but that's part of the plant and, and you might be able to find that. Exactly. And, and it almost makes it easier to relate back to nutrition. You know, we know fad diets don't work. Doing something for two weeks doesn't work. It's easy to put into context that we need to really put some time and some effort into what we're doing in order to see results. What most excites you about the whole CBD cannabis scene right now? Oh my gosh. I mean, it all excites me, but really thinking about federal legalization, opening it up and making this plant accessible to all, regardless of income status, really excites me. If if we were all allowed to put a seed in the ground in our own backyards and see what happens, that would be the cherry on top of all of this for me. I feel like accessibility still remains a huge issue. And even if we do federally legalize, um, if we don't allow for home grow and only allow recreational dispensaries, accessibility will continue to be an issue. So home grow for me is really the most exciting thing coming up. It is one more ingredient that home cooks can use. There's a learning curve involved. They take it on and uh, we live healthier and happier lives. Absolutely. I always say, you know, we trust every adult in America to use alcohol. There is no reason we can't trust every adult in America to use cannabis, which is significantly safer and significantly more beneficial. Well said. Emily, is there anything we haven't covered that we should? No, but I thank you so much for kind of bringing this topic to light and being interested in it because it makes me excited to see other people interested in it as well. Oh, yeah. There's so much to learn. And, um, you know, every week I find somebody who's got just an incredible story to tell. I also want to make sure we know where to find you online. You mentioned Instagram. I know you're on Twitter. You're probably everywhere. Yeah, I'm just about everywhere. Um, you can find me at emilykylenutrition.com. From there, you've got my Instagram, Facebook, and all the other links to find me. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Happy to help you get this message out there because it's so important. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Cannaboom Podcast with host Tom Stacy. If you like the show and want to know more, please check us out at Cannaboom with a K dot com. And please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next week.